Yeah. Where, where the fuck are you going? Look, Rod's just running away. Look, look, look at him. Look at him running away. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to see this well, or hear this. Yeah. Did you just press record and now you're fucking did you, off? Yes. <sighs> did, you, did you take your pants off again, Boris? No, no, no. He's got those saggy old man balls, oh, you know, and yes. the heat. And he's not the, wearing underpants. And he's not wearing underpants. Yes. And if he sits there, I'm going to see his, his, his <laughs> money makers. They're going to fall out all veiny and, and then I, I'll, I'll have a traumatic You'll episode. You'll never not be able to see no, that. No, no. We, wait, we, we've got... Somewhat special Very here. special. So I'm we, not going to wait. Bad I'm just, he's, he's jumping in already. <laughs> Don't say anything. Everyone will recognise you. Just wait until We're we do this. building up you. the tension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. Let's start the show. I hope Rod put the music in there. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he better. You just took away my glory. You took Sorry. away. You f- go, you go. Oh, oh, wait. Cock in hand. Hello. Come on. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Mother PG Podcast that's so special, we gave it a window to lick. Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. And and it's so special. We all, had together, we all had to get together between Christmas and New Year and come to the studio. And no one does anything in this period except digest food, drink, Take drugs and try not to get arrested. It is the greasy perineum between the chumlo of Christmas oh and the pooper of New Year. Jesus Christ. It's like a cloaca of Christmas. It is. It's the cloaca of Christmas. Oh. Look, and, and I'm actually cranky because you've dragged me in here the day after Boxing Day. David Warner hit 200 today in the test match against South Africa. Not Don't that care. I was. Well, I didn't watch Don't it care. anyway. But, Don't care. But look, let's face it. We're all just counting the days till 2023 yes. MotoGP season starts, yeah. and we're all fat and depressed, and I'm starting to smell a bit. So it's probably good that we came in here. It forced me to have a shower. <laughs> but we've got somebody special. Oh, no. oh yes. Because we weren't planning on being here this week. No. But – this opportunity arose and we yeah, we and car you, paid the diem. And you sent us an email that said, we've got an interview with Simon Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't miss that. We had to jump in. He is the greatest thing to happen to Mara GP since the Monster Energy Girls and when His Excellency Carmelo put on a pair of leather shorts. That's right. This is better than that. Yes. Better? Yep, it's better, better than that. Yep. <laughs> well, yes. it, it's not Simon Patterson, but everybody knows who this is and everybody loves him. <laughs> He's that calm voice of inquiry, the explainer of the technical. Yes. Not, not me. He sees all, understands even more, but only tells us the things he's allowed to tell us. <laughs> he can tell us whenever yeah. he wants. And today yeah. he's going to tell us the things that he's not allowed to tell us. Is yes, that? I think so. Mm. Mate, he prowls the fighting pits of MotoGP <laughs> with the grace of a hunting leopard and the politeness only a New Zealander can display. <laughs> When Dorna gave him the job, the terrible dark ages of the pit reporter ended and we entered a golden age of knowledge, niceness and a true love and understanding of the greatest sport on earth. I, I'm just I'm just completely impressed that he braves the leathery, leathery wrath of puge every week. Yes. But we need to ask some questions about yes, that, I think. <laughs> yes. He's been splashed with the sweat of world champions, especially Mick Doohan. Yes. <laughs> He's drunk many beers with Boric and Fredo. Yes. And still returned your calls. Yes. It's time to introduce the wonderful Mr. Simon Kreifer. Hello, Simon Kreifer. Hey, you guys. Was that the longest <laughs> and worst? Cool. Thank you very much. 
for that massive, exaggerated, <laughs> nice uh, intro that I, I'm sure I don't deserve. That, that, well, that was over the top, but thank you. No, we think you do, mate, and it, it's it's such a wonderful thing to hear your your, your dulcet tones again. That's one of the things I miss most about the season is not hearing you. Right. No, there's bike racing, of course, but you just wrap that all up. It's it's fabulous. Thank you so much for allocating your precious time to us. Is it cold in Andorra? You're in Andorra, aren't you? Yep. I've just taken the dogs out for their morning pee, and it's <laughs> got to be about zero. Bit of frost on the car, windscreens and house roofs, but it's dry, not a cloud. So it looks like a beautiful day. Yes. I just lit the fire, set the chill off. We've got a bunch of questions we want to ask you. But for for for, for, our, for the for the listeners who don't know who Simon Crafer is, well, they, what, they should what, Google it. Three of them. There must be three of them who may not know who he is. You're disgusting. And when I, disgusting. when I when I when I was digging up dirt on him, I discovered something about Simon that yes. many, many people may not know. Yes. You know, hard oh, enduro. <laughs> hard enduro. It's it's the most horrible thing ever invented for two, and the, and the most glorious. Yes. Simon Crafar was involved, right, in the Red Bull Romaniacs thing. He actually competed and he won it. Wow. No, no, guys, that's exaggerating again. (laughs) You didn't win? (laughs) We don't Um, exaggerate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I won the second tier, man. That's like, you know, the pro pro class, like gold, it's changed names a few times, but the very top class, I remember riding it, uh, no, riding Romaniacs in the second (laughs) you know, division, winning that. And the the owner of Red Bull Romaniacs, Martin, who I ended up working for, um, said to me, hey, you won the, this is over a beer, around a campfire with a bunch of mates that I took on a trip there. And uh, he said, you won, you know, it was called Silver, I think then. And um, are you going to ride pro, you know, the gold class next year? And I went, Martin, <laughs> you know, I've- I can't feel my about, legs. <laughs> there's, there's about eight guys in there that I- I can't beat, you know, and um, that is at that stage is probably more now. And uh, I would rather, you know, I I need new tires every day, a mechanic. I've retired from all that. I would rather work for you, you know, making the tracks and get paid to ride in the mountains. And uh, over a beer around a campfire, we did that deal for the next couple of years. That's the I was a uh, track, track manager. Well, all the younger yeah. ones, they know you now as the Peter Reporter, the, the, the commentator on the MotoGP. But the young, young ones don't even realize, some of them, that you were – you know, you're racing with McDoon, you're a 500cc Grand Prix winner. You've, you've done it all, and, and you decide not to come back to New Zealand, stay over there in Andorra. And what else, have you, what else do you do over there besides the, 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 MotoGP, the MotoGP commentary? Well, I, after the Romaniacs thing, which was kind of a little bit lost period between professional racing, you yeah. know, like, like you were saying, against the big boys and uh, finding or basically getting my shit together, finding my way, you know, uh, after retiring, which is not easy, you know, from, from the sport that you've put all your life into until that stage, if that makes sense. And uh, I started a school, you know, Moto Voodoo made some videos you can see on YouTube, uh, books, DVDs, you know, basically wanted to make a modern version of uh, how to do it, you know, and, genuinely pass on what I learned the hard way, you know, yeah. and to, to save some people some crashes, uh, especially when they get on big bikes. That's what it's about, how to ride a big bike fast. And uh, so I did that. 
done it about 15 years, 12, 12 years of, with my own company. And it's just coming to the end now. I think it's a, um, a burnout, you know, been doing that. And then this job came along, done that for five years. And when you travel as much, you know, 20 races and then try and fill the winter up with teaching, uh, I can't keep it up. So um, I'm winding down the, the track day scene. But um, that next year's even more travelling for you guys. I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to going to Kazakhstan. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I am. I'm curious. I've never been there. So, uh, uh, guys, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. India as well, never been. So, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to tell you guys what it's, what it's like. Yes, we look forward to hearing about it. I'm look- looking forward to the, the Royal Enfield support class in <laughs> India. I think it'll be great. <laughs> Look, there's so many things we want to talk about, and and uh, there's so many things I know you want you can help us with because there's a lot of things with which we don't understand here. One, of the, lots of little different things have come up this year in yeah. MotoGP, and one of the main things uh, for me is the minimum weight because the the. There's a minimum weight for the motorcycle, but there's no minimum weight for the combined motorcycle and the rider. Yeah, like in the other classes. Yes, like you can be Danny Pedrosa and you know be 25 kilo lighter than than one of mm. the other guys. Well, and this, and this has come up this year in World Superbike too. And yeah. Scott Redding's the guy who's raised it, um, and and probably partly too because Redding rode the Ducati last year and it, it was competitive, but he he you know he was knocking on the door but couldn't quite challenge for the championship. Completely, and then Alvaro Bautista gets on it this year, twenty kilos lighter, and goes out and wins the championship. So Scott's raised it in World Superbike, and, and talking about MotoGP as well, saying why don't we have combined minimum weights like we do in in Moto Three and Moto Two? Um, and Simon, you were, you're not a small guy; you're tall and bigger than a lot of the riders that we see even in MotoGP today. Um, and I know you raced the 250 for a little bit, and I, I think you probably struggled on that because of your size too. Is that a, a fair comment? And what, what's your view on the minimum weight? Should we have it in, in MotoGP and World Supers? Um, you're right. I was too big to ride the smaller bike, so I had to go to Superbike as soon as possible or 500. Um, uh, look, there's a lot of different opinions on it and some really good arguments both ways. Uh, the organisers have actually, as I understand it, paid for, um, uh, what's the word, uh, like basically a bunch of info uh, by some serious like engineers to discover whether or not they should do it and and these people have come back and said nah there's too many other variables and uh i'll be honest i completely fucking disagree i use that <laughs> word because you guys use okay. it all the time yeah, yes, um, I, I disagree because i disagree because um there was a chance of that argument when there was no electronics you know and so it was all up to the rider and it was a little bit more I mean, I could still feel the difference when you're racing against uh, Mick, who was probably, my guess, was like high 60s kilos. Um, Max Biaggi, probably a couple lighter. Um, and I'm I'm about the same size as Petruch, um, who is at a healthy weight is about 80. And my race weight was about 80, uh, sorry, 78. And that you lose a couple from stress of, uh, of racing and traveling and, and, uh, but and I, worrying I, about it. I, I can't but, see how it can't make a difference. 
You know, well, especially like say tw- a twenty kilo weight difference is huge. Yes, especially when they're trying to save every possible gram in terms of the motorcycle. Yes, and lighten it and lighten it, and lighten it. You know, exotic materials. And there's you know, fat guts over there is eating pasta and shit. Doesn't give a shit, right? He's loaded up on carbs, <laughs> and he's twenty kilos heavier than the next bloke. Well, I mean, I saw it. How the acceleration of the bike. Uh, that's the clearest place. You come onto a straight, you get a good run on, and the guy who's 10, 15 kilos lighter literally pulls 20 metres on you. You know, I saw it the last time when I loaned a young racer um, who wanted to learn the track. I actually did it twice at Aragon. So I've got GSX-R thousands. I had a fleet of them, and he had the same tyres, same bike, same everything, and he doesn't know the track. I've towed him around for a few laps so he can get the line, understand, and he comes onto the straight ahead of me, not perfectly, and still goes punches away, you know, a good 20 metres. And you try and make that up on someone who's just as good as you, and then you've got the argument that Petruch has brought up a few times, how if you've got another 10, 15 kilos, that front tyre gets a harder time trying to stop you as well. And I firmly believe it's not fair, you know, because I've seen it both when I was racing and during the track days being reminded of it. And yes, there's arguments, you know, people say, oh, but the little guys, you know, um, they're not, they haven't got as much leverage over the bike to change direction. The thing that I think it really boils down to the answer that it should be is that, I'm seeing guys like, I believe I'm seeing guys like uh, Petrucci's gone now, but he was one. Um, Alex Marquez, who's very tall, unlike his brother, really tall. Um, Rossi before, now his stepbrother, uh, Luca. They're starving themselves, man. They, yes. I, I look at them in the debriefs and I go, oh my, I could put my two hands and circle them around their waist, you yeah, know? Yeah. They, they're stuff. Oh, Leish. is another one, you know? He's tall and uh, skinny as hell. And I don't think it's healthy. The, the, they have to do it. They starve themselves in Moto3. Um, they can get away with a little bit more in Moto2. And you, you see the smaller guys go, oh, great, I can eat now. And I don't think that's right. And then, then in MotoGP, the tall guys are starving themselves, you know. No, and, co- correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, there's there is an element of, of physical strength that's required to ride a MotoGP yeah. bike flat out. Yep. And if that's you're a good argument, yeah. And if you're starving yourself, right, and you're you know lean muscle mass is lean muscle mass, but I mean I, I've seen how they do their weights. Resistance training is yes. crucial. Yes. But if you're not eating, you're not strong. So you, you're losing weight, but you're not gaining strength. But the other side of it too is because that's one of the arguments against having the minimum weight limits, right? Is because Danny Pedrosa is the perfect example. People say, well, yeah, Danny had the advantage of being light, but he also didn't have as much strength as some of the other guys to muscle that bike around. But here's the thing when you have a minimum weight that you have to reach, what they do is put ballast on the motorcycle. So they put weights on the bike, but you have the advantage of choosing where you're going to put that weight. So you can put it down low on the bike, you can put it towards the front of the bike, towards the back of the bike, you can mix it around, you can do what you want. So the bike is going to carry that weight lower. So Simon, is that a, is that a fair point as well or is, am I missing the mark there? Yeah, yep. Uh, I mean, I agree with you completely. You can stick the weight where you want. Um, uh, the, the negative people, you know, about this will say, oh, yeah, but the little guys have less power. You know, the, the main thing I want to get across is – the little guys can go to the gym 
and eat food and you're paid to do that, you know, and build some muscle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. go to the gym, build some strength, you know, like eat the right food, get strong. You can get more stocky. There's, that's a nice life compared to not being able to do weights and starving yourself. It's not a happy place, you know, not and a healthy, healthy place. I also think, it, as you said, there, there was an argument, you know, not to do this a few years ago when uh, to, because you you know you needed to have that you know that you were disadvantaged because of having that strength as well but now the, the electronic aids assist so much in moving that bike around now that the argument doesn't exist for me i, I think you're also missing everyone is missing a, a huge crucial point here and i need to make this cuz i had a girlfriend <laughs> back in the day this was always who was bu- bulimic as shit right <laughs> yeah i mean that, that she just she she like she'd gobble food then she'd be out you know in the toilet finger down her throat voiding i mean she looked hot as fuck right yeah but, but she smelt kind of funny and 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 she was completely mentally unstable as a result of being constantly hungry yes you know? hang hangry all the time she's hangry yeah that the combination of anger and hunger is hanger right yeah so Again, as Simon quite rightfully points out, it's not a happy place to be if you're constantly starving yourself. You're having, you're going to start to have mental issues. But the tragedy is, I will be very surprised if there isn't some riders out there in the world championship and some of the classes doing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, Boris. yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all. And you, and you look at guys like Scott Redding, right? Perfect examples. He's he's the noisy one about this at the moment. He's not a big boy. He's, he's not a big guy. Yeah, like he's 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 not six foot tall. He's not ninety kilos. Uh, he's not. Yeah, he's a big. He is a big fella. He, he's kind of uh, similar, I would say, to Leon Camier, like v- over six foot. Like I, I'm six. Is he foot, over six? Like, is he? So yeah, yeah. Those boys look down at me, and okay. um, both Leon and Scott are also reasonably big boned you know they're not light like say valentino or uh you know elaish they're not lightly built like so you you look at their their thighs their their legs you know they're big guys uh starving themselves you know so they're light yeah. up top skinny um but they're they like cycling i suppose that's where the legs come from. but what i'm saying is that they ate what they wanted and trained you know a little bit they'd be too heavy to ride this yeah so so simon is anybody looking at this i mean you know the the, this is something they've looked at it it's controlled by the fim yeah they've looked at it is the fim doing anything are they going to do anything what do you think Uh, well i mean the the, i i understand it was donna winning um or erta donna winning paid for oh Oh. sorry one of our boys (laughs) missing mush <laughs> One of my dogs is missing my wife, who's just left to go and, uh, and feed a neighbor's cat. That's all right. I didn't mean to say much to your wife. I have anxiety. Yes. I'm like that oh, when my wife goes out too. I don't know. Come back. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know where anything is. Don't worry, Simon. We're not renowned for our professionalism here. It's all good. <laughs> I've just realized what he's stri- he thinks she's gone for a walk without him. So <laughs> he's not liking it. That's uh, the same problem I that. have. Yeah. <laughs> You're going out without me. <laughs> Yeah. But that's you, not the dog. So, yeah, the so, dog. I, so just to get back to that, um, I understand it. Um, I've heard it secondhand, but I understand that uh, Donna Erta uh, have paid, uh, this is a few years ago, for that study, you know, by some proper people. Um, and they've come back, mm, there's too many variables, you know, like, as I understand it, um, 
they think it's not necessary because it's also down to uh, weight transfer and getting grip and uh, muscling the bike around. And, and like I said, I agreed more when it was all in the rider's hand, where I think the more there is uh, electronic age, which now there is, yes. it's, it's, you know, if you can, if say the electronics are all set up so you can bang that thing open coming onto the straight, I know riders, some like it more in their hands, some like, you know, but the thing is, it's not down to who can get that throttle open now because it's down to more electronic aids as well, which means I think they need to, need still they need look to help at out it. the heavy boys yes. and uh, yes. make the little boys go to the gym and eat some good food. Well, and the, the thing is, they don't need to say, okay, who's the heaviest guy on the grid? Let's take everybody to that weight, right? You, you, you pick a midpoint. And so the, the heavier guys might still be a bit heavier, I, I think, and the lighter guys are going to be brought up to a certain a certain. I think you need to test it. Sounds in, good to me. You need Sounds to good. test it in race conditions as well, and there's a <laughs> lot to talk about there with that. Look, another thing. Let's let's if we took let's talk at another thing with which people aren't talking about. Another thing that's that's a concern all over the world in all different sports, mm. like a rugby union, rugby league. Football, they this they all worried about boxing. Boxing, they boxing. all well, not so much boxing. They don't fucking know what they're doing. They boxing there, but <laughs> they, they, you know they worried about the, they worried about concussion. You know when yep. they hit the head. Nobody fucking knows anything more about concussion than motorcycle riders, and they get hit hard. Yep. Is there any? What is happening in this in this department? Because is there is this is there head bins? Is, do they look at that in the in the clinic in Mobile? Are they doing anything more? It's um, that's a good one, Fredo. Um, and I've got a bit of experience yeah. with it. Oh, sorry, Hucky boy. Come here. <laughs> sorry, he's going to keep going. That's all right. That's okay. okay. You Don't let him keep it. going. It it it, um, it adds to the family atmosphere I've, of our show. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I've 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 banged my head a few times, and one of them was very scary. Um, I think I should start with that because uh, that'll explain why I feel quite strongly about it. Why I think it's a, that's a good good subject, and that is um, I had a few concussions on the way, like uh, basically high sides. You know, this is again two strokes and before um, electronics, big high sides over bang back land on flat on my back bang my head and uh, I remember the one on the Suzuki 250 I, I woke up looked around and went uh, a guy looked in my helmet from above me a marshal big bearded like uh look um, like god no <laughs> he looked like <laughs> he thought oh, you were dead. Uh, like he was you know got a, a lumberjack you know and he goes are you all right man and I realized I'm in America I remember we were planning <laughs> We were planning <laughs> we were planning to go to America and I couldn't remember anything coming in um doing the customs which way the track went anything I, and I know that sounds funny but it's not and that one I recovered quickly they were all like that except one and the, uh, one in 97 the one I came together with Kaczynski last race of, of 97 Central um that one I broke my collarbone and knocked myself out and it took a good three months before I felt like me. And that scared the hell out of me and, and my wife. Um, we were well worried. And when I say uh, you, you get confused, lose confidence. And that was not 
me, you know, I, I felt confused about too much. Uh, and I realized I'd been paying all my insurance thinking that if I end up in a wheelchair, I need to, I paid 10% of my insurance, um, sorry, my income, my contract fee every year. That was um, a recommendation of Mick and Mick's manager, Jono McGilvery, to do. And I went with it. So spend 10% of my contract fee on insurance to be able to look after yourself if you end up bad, you know. And I really thought the ultimate was a wheelchair. And it was that moment I realized that the ultimate the worst thing to happen is not wheelchair because you look at the guys in the wheelchair and they keep their family, their friends, their business, you know, their money, their lives. Basically you look at the guys that have life-changing serious head injuries and they lose everything, you know, and I understood firsthand why, because you change, you know? And so I, I was like, Oh, so I feel very strong about your choice of helmet that next year I took, half the money to wear an ARI and went back to ARI and stayed with it. And I'm talking a a lot of money difference because I realized how important it is, you know, and I believe that the Japanese don't cheat on the testing, you know, and that's only a personal, it's probably changed in the last decades, but that's what I believed at the time. Um, Still do. And so to get back to your question, Fredo, it's why um, I'm, said that there isn't some baseline yeah. testing, I think they call it, because they have it in a lot of other sports. And um, I think we should push on. And um, actually, to be fair, our, please don't carry on on this line, but to be fair, um, your mate Simon Patterson has been quite vocal on this, and I've got to agree with him on it, that we need to do something with it. Yeah. There's other sports um, like that are doing this. Basically, as I understand it, there's a, um, I understand this from young Josh Day, I, uh, American rider that came to ride um, Superstock 600 in Europe. I was a rider coach for him at the time. Great kid. Um, a few years later, he had a massive bang on the head that was life-changing, and he now pushes for it in the States. He has done for some time. <laughs> He's howling now. Aki's not happy. It's a border collie. It's a border collie well, look, we ha- we sitting have, on the stairs, look, watching out the look, window, howling. The, the great thing um, is, is, so, is that helmets have improved. The ride the safety yeah, in, in leathers yeah, and yeah. everything has improved so much. We don't see the riders going into comas like we did in you know Kevin McGee's day, not long before you. Yeah, but but you as know, a res- yeah. it's exactly as a res- because we don't see that. That as Simon says, no, no, the one, no one is ever still getting done. The damage is still getting done, and no one yeah. even talks about that. As you said, it's 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 so life changing a, a brain injury. But here's, here's Every, another side. Everyone's thinking you know broken back, broken yeah. neck, broken arms and bones and shit like that. But yeah. Your head, dude, your brain, man. Well, look, and I can relate. I've had a brain hemorrhage and, and I had to learn to speak again and lost my coordination on my right side. And and for six months, I was full of anger and like mood swings, the whole the whole thing. It's debilitating. Yeah. I just, so I can completely understand what Simon's talking about. But and, and doing the scientific testing is one thing and that's difficult. But here's something that i'd like your opinion on because i reckon this is something that can be done fairly easily and one of the things that we love watching in the sport is a rider crashes remounts takes off and hunts people down and it's it's a fantastic thing to watch but i still do a little bit of club racing you go in and every every day they scrutinize your helmet 
And then if you have a crash during a race, they'll want to have another look at your helmet and yep. your gear before you go back out for a sec because you'll often have three, four races in yeah. a day, right? So they'll, they'll scrutiny your gear again. Now, in MotoGP, you've got to start a race with obviously a helmet that's in good condition. You've got to start with an airbag that can deploy. And a guy can crash during a race. The airbag deploys. It won't recharge and deploy again. They can hit their head. Right? We saw Fabio crash twice in one race this year. Right? Imagine if Fabio's helmet had have been damaged in the first crash and then they've sent him back out and he crashed again and got a head injury because that helmet was was in a state of disrepair. Yeah. So is is there a way that we can do this in the meantime where we, we kind of look at it and say, well, if you fall off, you fall off your other race. Is that what we should be looking at? Because these guys invariably fall off. Their airbag's no longer usable. Their helmet may um, be damaged. Something just, else just may be damaged. Just to pull you up on the airbag thing, um, I understand they have two charges. Oh, do they? Uh, yeah, they can re- yeah. re-engage. Uh, oh, as I understand, two. And then so oh, that's good. it's for that, uh, as I understand. Um, I don't really want to get into that one because I'm saying to as a want to be able to get back on my bike if yeah. the bike is in good enough condition meaning um you know right. it's not dumping oil or or a hazard i think you should be able to keep going um the the thing is this baseline testing i mean getting back on the bike after you've had you've you've been sparkos a session before you know or the day before um this i don't want to go on too long about this but as i understand uh from this young josh day in the states who's been pushing about it um he's saying that at the beginning of the season they get their riders to do a test online so you don't have like we are right now and you respond to um various t- uh, things skill you know? test so brain test yeah your yeah your brain how it yeah. works and how you respond yeah. and so they've got that as i mean it's pretty simple you know and they've got that as a as a base and you get back on there before you're allowed to get back on your bike and go or even go to the next race put it that way and do that and if you're out of the ballpark they can see you know yeah. and i i mean that's Sounds like a damn good idea to me. I'm not an expert, but something like it's, this, it's a, it's a fan, you know, that doesn't sound very expensive. It must be a start, you know. It, Simon, is anyone actually pushing for that inside Erta or Dorna or, you know, um, this baseline testing? I, I mean, you, you brought it, it, I it, honestly it's, don't know. It's a hugely I, I valid thing. Well, well I, I tell you what, you, you've got a golden opportunity right now because next year you've got a new clinic in Mobile coming in. Is this right, Simon? Yes. Yeah, a new yeah, group, yeah. new yep. group are coming in to run all the medical. Yep. So maybe this is something we can get them to do. Like this is the golden opportunity to try, do something new. They want to, they want to improve. This is a perfect way to do this. And the technology is already there, and as I understand, yep. it's not very expensive. Tested yep. by other sports and motorcycle racing in other countries, national it. championships. I love it. Right. I hope Let's fingers crossed. We'll keep, we'll keep poking. So not, not okay. Not only is the new clinic a mobile new for next for next year, next season, and but and also new is Kazakhstan, Sokol Racetrack, and India. The the, Buddha, the, the Fat Buddha Circuit. The, the Fat Buddha Circuit. Yes. We also have sprint racers, yes. bitches. Listen, the, sprint racers. I'm all for this as long as there's a Le Mans start. <laughs> <laughs> then it's a real fucking sprint race. No, they, Let's bring it no, back, no, I, I reckon they need to be. They yeah. need to start in their underpants and put their leathers and shit on before they get on. Before they get yes. on, yes. 
Cohen, like yeah. in, like in no, mini Think of the eye candy yeah. thing here. Donna, listen to me, right? Start all them greyhound-looking boys, right, <laughs> in their underpants and then dress them. They get dressed, the camera pans, there's close-ups of, of the shit, How you know, you get to put the junk. The it increase the female demographic. In yeah, the oh, through the roof. Simon, sprint races in 2023, what are your thoughts? Um, oh, yeah, I've uh, put that out there a couple of times. When it first came up, uh, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I really, really, yeah. I, I was yeah. really unsure. When it first came up, I was like, oh, because I was purely looking at it from a writer's point of view. That's right. And i got to say, I'm writer biased. You know? Sure, of course. I, I am. I'm, I'm very defensive of them. You know, and and of th- the thank, thank God that you are. Yeah, um, I I try to be standing in the middle, but I got to admit I, I, I'm biased towards the writers looking after them. So um, I was really worried because th- this is a lot more stress. It's not. Then I heard okay, but they're going to drop time, you know, from another session, probably FP four, yeah. and so they won't be doing any more more laps than they usually do. And uh, that's all great. So they're not going to use more engines or tires or, but it's not the same. It's stress. Oh. And <laughs> you try and do a deal with a team. Uh, I knew the riders, they're not going to pay the riders more, no. but the riders are going to do more risk, more entertainment, yeah. you know, for everybody, yes. more TV. And so I was thinking, um, you know, this is squeezing more out of the boys. And so it, my initial thought was that I'm talking the first few days I had to think about it. I was like, but. Then I sat down and thought, what are they trying to do? Listen to everybody. They're trying to build our sport and make it bigger. And you know if they succeed, who benefits from that? And that is clearly the riders. Their paycheck goes up. If there's our sports going better, and I've seen it. I, I rode in different eras. You know, true. When I say eras, different stages where um, you couldn't get much for a helmet. You know, for And then as the sport got bigger, uh, World Superbikes got bigger. I was there at its heyday, and everything started paying better. And so, if your sport, if they grow the sport, the riders will benefit. And then I thought, hey, this is great. Then the guys further down the field will get paid better, and this is great. Uh, so, from that point of view, I understand what they're doing. So, I'm not anti it. So you're also then, you're also pretty locked into the the grid as well. You know a lot of the guys there. You, you talk to them. I got the impression that half of them were, were were going, yeah, let's do this shit, like you know, yeah, Jack like Mark, Miller was Jack like, Miller, I like Marquez, this one, yeah. and the others going, no, this is bullshit. I'm not having any of it. Can you shed some light on who is good to go with this? Who is keen to do this, the extra rates, the sprint rates? Um, I, I would. I mean, the thing is, there's uh, typical races. If it's if you yeah. think it's going to suit you. You're yeah. going to like them. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and, and so there, there's varying ideas. And also, um, I'm a little bit worried because it might suit the Dukes more, you know. You can see them qualifying how fast they are, you know. And this is going to be 10 laps, 12 laps of, like, qualifying, isn't it? So the Duke's going to be hard to stop. So if you're a Ducati rider or the sort of rider that maybe – wears his tyres out and real fast in the beginning, very aggressive, It's you're going to vote for it. The thing is, I think overall, if it builds the sport, um, then I'm up for it because the riders are going to benefit. Everybody in the paddock's going to benefit, which I like. And one thing I've thrown out there at a, at a couple of times recently is um, 
I thought about it from my point of view as a punter watching, which I am in superbikes now, just just a punter watching. And say I've got a weekend off, um, my favourite thing to do is cook on the barbecue, and I'm, it's a Saturday, I'm out on the barbecue. If my wife yells out, it's qualifying, you know, Yep. Um, I don't come in. You know, I say, let me know what happens, you know. I'm staying with the barbecue. She yells out, it's a Saturday <laughs> race. Yep. I come in. You know what I mean? I I'm put everything burning on that shit. In. I don't care. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. burn everything. Well, so if if I'm something to go on, I think it's going to work. You know? <laughs> I love the dog howling. <laughs> you got a wolf, haven't you? It's a wolf. You've actually got a wolf. Yeah, he's, it's got a he's wolf. He's a beautiful two-year-old collie. He's wonderful. He's my daughter's dog, but... That kind of makes us uh, makes him ours. You know how it is, daughters. Because <laughs> she leaves him there all the going. time, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> hey, I, <laughs> I've got a question. Okay. So Jorge Lorenzo the other day came out and had a shot at the, the current MotoGP grid, which he does pretty much every Thursday. But this, <laughs> but this one, <laughs> this one was was George talking about the fact that the guys these days are, they're all buddies, they're all mates. This this is nobody exactly punches what, on anymore. This is exactly what Jeremy Burgess was saying. Yeah, when you spoke to Jeremy, when I spoke at, to at Jeremy Island, he yeah. said this, and I think you you were too far away from that conversation, Simon, when he said that um, back in his day when he was we, he was nursing uh, Wayne Gardner and Mick Dillon around, he said, you know, if someone nudged Mick or, or pissed Mick off of the track, Mick would wipe him, never speak to him again, and then try to leg check him into the weeds at the first opportunity. They were never friends. You know, in these days, Rossi still hates Marquez, and as do I. For the, for the calumnies and crimes that, that Marquez committed against the Great One, <laughs> right? And I will never forgive him, right? But, um. I'll beat him. Yeah, but, you know, well, again, we're sitting at Pino's on Saturday night, and there's Pecco Bagnires and, and his team and his sister. And at the next table is Fabio Quadraro's mob. And they're battling for the title. And they're battling for the title, and they're the best of mates. No, there should be spaghetti thrown at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of this. Hey, 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 but nothing. Is it? Is it a beigeness? Is it? Is it? Have they? Because they, these guys astonish me. They're still the bravest men I've ever seen in my life. But they just seem to be watered down in terms of their interpersonal relationships. Simon, you must have seen a big difference back in in the nineties in the five hundred days with Mick and those guys too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Who did you fight oh. without the back? <laughs> yeah, not Mick. Um, no, yeah, this is another real good one, guys. Uh, and I'm torn a bit because, uh, again, I want our sport to grow. And this is one thing that's been looked at uh, and fans don't like, you know, that it's there's not the rivalries. Um, and, yeah, it's going to help if there's some rivalries. But one thing um, I have to say, I'm... <coughs> Very proud of how the humans these guys are. You're just yes. talking about Fabio yes. and yes. Pecco yep. as examples. They're, they're awesome. They're awesome guys. Like they to are more, us, they're more well rounded. They're more well rounded yes. as humans. Yes. Than yes. Than, than the psychopaths. The psychopaths yes. The the, 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 <laughs> the murderers and psychopaths of your era. I completely agree on that. I completely yeah. agree. And so they're not slower. And they're not slower. Why. They're also not slower. That's the thing. Nah. You no, see, it's no just. Way. Um, 
I mean, these, these are just things off the top of my head uh, that I'd throw out there to think about and to understand why. Um, I think, for starters, the guys of my day uh, were less rounded, like you said, human beings. I think um, because oh, there's a few different angles to look at. Uh, I would say that because, um, you know, a lot of them got angry at the other person, uh, the other rider, because they feel threatened, you know? It's like a insecurity. You know, they'll go, you know, you know what I mean? Get all, they'll hate a guy who they worry about, you know? I mean, when Kaczynski first turned up, he got a hard time from, uh, as I understand, I wasn't in the paddock at the time, but from, like, the likes of Wayney, uh, Rainey, Wayne Rainey and Schwantz, because, I mean, the guy was brilliant, you know, natural wow. ability. And, and then you see that, I saw it, um, he got similar. Yes, he was a different guy, but uh, I saw similar reactions from some superbike guys and superbike guys when I was in there about each other. I'm just rolling my eyes going like, they're, they're being childish, really. You know what I mean? It's just purely insecurity that they're doing this. And yeah, it was fun to watch, fun for the press. <laughs> to, but I think... Uh, I think that these young guys now, the, the part of the problem is, uh, okay, let's start from the beginning. They are younger. You know, the guys I raced against, the, the myself, we had to kind of go through normal life, pay rent, try to get a job, and then the motorcycle racing took off, most of us, yeah. you know. There was a few like Biaggi, and uh, I don't think um, – uh, and I think you can tell guys like Biaggi or Lorenzo, you know, they are different because they were absolutely brilliant and they had never had to have a normal job in life before, you know, so they didn't, they don't turn out exactly the same human beings as the ones that had to battle and you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and uh, I don't think that's being unfair. I think they, you know, I think it's more accurate than unfair. So um, then uh, there's, so these young guys don't even get to have a uh, a life, make mistakes, um, find out what, then decide, well, actually, I want to be a bike racer, I want to be serious. And they've already got to kind of, I feel sorry for them that they have to decide to be professional sports people before they even really know who they are. You know, they've yep. figured out. Yeah, they're 15, um, how, 16 years old. Yes, and yeah. what, are, what are they yep. going to do? I, I feel sorry. What else are they going to do? But I think the big one, is why you don't see them saying uh, controversial stuff. Um, and you see uh, the older ones say it in a way that you can get away with it, like yeah. maybe Marquez or Valentino, because they are old enough to know, you know, how to get away with it. But you see the younger ones not being controversial because of social media. Yeah, but especially. I mean, I mean you, you've, and actually, the press. you've actually like, mentioned mentioned the, the two the two riders, Marquez and Rossi. To me, Marquez was the dawn of this new era. You know, almost uh, you know, as Rossi's career sort of sort of faded away, Marquez stepped into where Rossi was. And Marquez is obviously a very different human being to Rossi. He's part of this new wave of riders, I would say. Um to me that was evident in the way that he almost he forgave Rossi for all this shit. <laughs> yes. Like he, he didn't care. He Whereas, tried to he, he tried to shake his he head. He tried to shake his head. Rossi still hates him to this day. Yes. Fuck him, fuck him forever. <laughs> That's how he feels, and I love that. Yes. But Marquez is not like that. But not only that, uh, the, the, the argument between the arguments between Rossi fans and Marquez fans online is far deeper 
Then the arguments between Rossi and Marquez ever were. That's right. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> two of them respect each other. But look, you know, I, the never, thing is, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I love Valentino. You know, I love how he um, he's so complete as a bike racer, yes. isn't he? You know, how good he is on the bike, uh, his race craft, uh, how he fucks with other riders' heads, you know, yeah. <laughs> how good he can do all this. Hi, Max. And, We're looking and at also you. how good he is with us. You know, he he makes, like I've said before, he makes, um, he's made more than one time made me feel special. He's got this talent of doing that, you know, remembering your name, um, yes. treating yeah. you in a way to make you feel special. And he's so, it's why he's got so many fans. Um, but I think uh, I would hazard a guess that Valentino was so um, anti-Marquez back to what I was saying before. Yeah, threatened. He feels threatened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, you're saying it. Look, I, I just think it goes back. It goes back to medieval times, punching <laughs> Judy. No, Dash, you know, you, you know, look, you know, you had the, 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 someone had to have the dark hat. Someone had that. You need the bad guy it's, to boo. Yeah, it's wrestling. Oh, black yeah, hats and white hats. You need it. Yeah. Hey, you need guys, it. And, can I throw in there? Yeah. That, I mean, I agree that the this rivalry, uh, if it's genuine, it's great. It's yes. great for our sport. It you know, can't be Because there's two yet. guys feeling uh, threatened by each other, or at least one who may be on top feeling threatened about the new boy or whatever it is, you know. Um, it's going to be good when it comes along. And I think there will be some more of that, especially when you throw Mark in there, if Honda can do something, you know, give, give him a bike good enough to be. I think he'll be in the battle this year regularly. It could stir some trouble, and uh, we might see a bit of what we're – you know, I, I, what would be good for the sport? I'm already but, seeing it in Moto Three. Those guys, <laughs> a lot of those guys hate each other in Moto Three. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't really that yeah. I care. Yeah, well, I was listening. Well, we talked to Joel. <laughs> oh my God, Joel, Joel hates ruthless Minot. He hates no. Minot. No, you <laughs> don't. I hate him. I'd, he can get fucked. Right? <laughs> I'm going. Yes, <laughs> beautiful. So yeah, I think he's yeah. This I think we've got lots to talk about. But you know, go, sorry, Simon, so, go ahead. No, I just wanted to finish off on uh, what I think is a. Uh, something I don't like, and it's why you're going to see riders gun-shy of saying anything controversial or is both the press and social media, people on social media. Yep. I mean, the press, um, they are looking for something to do, you know. They are looking for something to stir up, and it always has always been like that. Well, we, we, we live in a culture so, of outrage. We need to be outraged yeah, ex- constantly. Ex- you yeah. know, and so um, we just make it up. We just- <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you've seen Peko get jumped on a few times. You know, having the wrong—I don't want to go deep into no. this—but having the wrong uh, helmet replica. Oh. You know, or um, you know, he, he didn't obviously didn't understand. Uh, but anyway, um, it's something as small as that they get crucified for. Um, then on social media. Um, I've got a favourite saying, okay, and the reason it's my favourite saying is I think of it every time I go on social media, as Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Russell says, um, what is it, the, the problem with the world is the stupid are cocksure and the intelligent are full of doubt, you know? Yep. So easy way to remember it, stupid are cocksure, the intelligent are unsure. And the, the thing is, you go on social media, I saw Fabio post a picture of him shaking the hand of um, – I don't even watch football, but I did enjoy the final. That was amazing. But yep. um, Messi, the, the superstar Lionel, from Argentina. Lionel, Lionel Messi. 
Yeah, Messi. He, he had chicken. And yeah. the comments, oh, I mean, they must have been from French because they crucified him, <laughs> saying this is why this is why we're Marquez fans, you know? Because oh, for God's sake. Messi. I'm like, look, guys, these writers <laughs> get burned yeah. by people that are stupid, yes. you know, every day on social media. Yeah. And why, I mean, I the people out there, please think of my favourite saying before you comment on social media and just go, what is the other side of the coin? What's the other side of the argument? That's the clever thing to do before you jump down someone's throat for doing something, you know. It, there's another side of the story, you know, than you've just seen well, from so, that picture. Simon, so, so, I mean, you're old so, enough to remember when they were actually, if you said something stupid to someone in public, there was a consequence. The, the reason they the reason they do this you shit punch in the face. You're punched in the face, right? Now you can't punch anyone on Facebook or Twitter or anyone like that. But so many of those pricks need punching. If I punch it's like it's like when your dog shits on the couch, right? If you don't want the dog to shit on the couch, you roll the newspaper up and you thump it, right? Once or twice, you know, you have to you know, like whip it with, with, with chains and shit. Just flog it, you know, with the newspaper. <laughs> Oh, and God. it'll stop shitting on the couch. We're going to get more complaints yeah. about this episode than more. any episode yeah, that's that happened before. Oh, hey, my so, God. Guys, just get back to it. We can finish up on that. But the main thing, um, I think these guys are so gun-shy of doing anything. Of course they are. Because yeah. they get jumped on yep. by the press and by social media. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. Anyway. All right. Now, there's something else going on here that, that we know about. And we, we the other week we actually interviewed a potential son-in-law of yours, didn't we? Oh, did we? Yes. <laughs> you, oh. your, your, your lovely daughter. That's your a lovely, long way off. Uh, yeah. That's a long way. They're, they're 17, 18. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> your, your, your lovely daughter is- You've got time to extricate her from there. <laughs> and Senator Aegeus and, and your, your lovely daughter are an, uh, an item, I believe. They're dating? Oh, yeah, I, I've got to be careful. <laughs> ah! Here, I don't want to. I don't want to upset them and their privacy. Sure, um, Senna's a lovely but boy. But hey, is a lovely boy. Well, well, guys, you know what it's like to. Don't know if any of you have daughters. Yes, um, and <laughs> no. how you grow up with these nightmares, you know, of um, oh, yeah. boys oh, yeah. coming turning up. And um, the thing is, life has been. That's this funny way of being imitating I, itself. I would say kind to me, <laughs> kind to me. At the right moment, at the right moment, I figured out, I would like to pass this on to dads. Um, at the right moment, I figured out that the most important thing um, is that your child is happy. Yes, you know? 100%. And, and yeah, and I, I, because before that, it was just a nightmare. You're thinking about oh, no. the boys and, and to be oh, fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> eraser. That was always my absolute nightmare. It's <laughs> eraser. Yeah, so you're not going because out I know what we, were like. Yeah. Yeah. what we were like. But they're not like but, that these days. Well, wow. I mean, they're probably laughing at us for thinking that. Yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> you don't know. Hey, Shut hey up, guys, old so man. I'm, yeah. I'm going to throw some things out there. Is um is is I'm lucky enough to have a wife that handles what. We should allow my, our daughter to do and not do. I mean, she knows better than me. Uh, she's a woman. She's uh, yes. uh, cleverer than me. Yes, and, and so I, I let. Yeah. Hey, the, 
the the good bits that came along is I realised, like you know, my daughter had this tough period that at school um, when that's kind of probably the beginning of womanhood, and these girls crucified her at school. You know, they were just uh, cruel bitches. I mean, I I know. <laughs> This is kind of part of growing up in school, and us boys did it as well. Yeah. But uh, I'll be honest, the the worst tormenting, the worst picking on I ever had at school was a couple of girls sat behind me in the class just giving me shit until you feel like <laughs> crying, you know? And uh, so I know how hard they can be. With boys, you can just punch them in the face at, 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 at break, can't you? you yeah. know? And then they yeah. leave you alone. You That's know? It. That's, uh, um, yeah. Once you do it once, so, nobody ever yeah. picks on you again. With, with women, you've yeah. got to develop an eating disorder. Let, let. <laughs> you know. hey, so, guys, bitches, please. Bitches, please. What? I what? was short, fat, I wore glasses, my name was Boris in a country <laughs> full of Steves and Johns. I was fucked oh. from the day I walked <laughs> into kindergarten, right, until I learned oh. well, I can't run away, so I have to fight. <laughs> I can't run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, it's tough. It's tough. Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, so, Simon, what, what, so I can imagine. what are we looking forward to? We've got a brand new year coming up, testing in Malaysia. So many things to look forward to. What are the what like are you the, hearing? The, the what are, what main hearing? things you're looking forward to seeing? You know, com- that's, uh, coming from the testing. And uh, anyway, before it even Stevens begins, can I can I start with the biggest hey, question of just, all? Can I sign off? Can I sign off on the last bit? The daughter and yes, yeah, 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 please yeah, yeah. do. From yeah. wishing them the best of luck. As um, as uh, I'm genuinely happy because um, I had uh, I had the. Uh, the lad that came around and was too lazy to get off the sofa, and my <laughs> daughter was daughter was running him around everywhere in her car and paying for the, the fuel, and and I just thought, what the? I can't wait for this to be over, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then to have a to have a lad turn up that's just full of, of yeah. what is it? Ambition, yeah. And won't get off the bicycle. The only time you lie on the sofa is. To recover from hammering himself on the yeah. bicycle, yeah. you know what I mean. It's a Senna's a lovely bloke. Um, yeah, Senna's yep. a good and boy. And the, the last bit is um, what I learned about riders and their girls. The, if you choose, the, I'm sure this is between all sexes, and uh, if you choose the right partner, how strong they can make you. Yes, and um, the right. Um, well, like my wife was the right one. I, I understood that how, and she like she's clever, competitive. Understood how to help me be better, make me stronger. Um, the other bit I've said, put out there a few times is is uh, boys. Uh, like when we talk about races, um, the other good bit about having a good partner is that other half of your brain that you've been using for chasing girls, to put it politely. <laughs> um, you can use it for racing, yeah, making yeah, yourself better. Yeah, so you become stronger automatically. Uh, and absolutely. the last thing I'd say is I think my daughter, like her mum, has uh, those same attributes, you know, competitive, um, lo- uh, brutally loyal, uh, that stuff. So i just got to wish them luck. And, She's got uh, a noisy fucking dog, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. No, you're right. No, Sorry, move on. Testing. Let's move, we, let's move on we to. We do wish them a lot of luck. Yes, we do. But yeah. let's move on to MotoGP 2023. Yeah. And, and the big yeah, question here's the biggest question Can Honda fix that fucking motorcycle? Can they give well, Mark what he needs? Look, if you look at um, how big Honda is, you know, I, I've spoken to some guys that have seen their, like, their F1 type 
uh, yep. project, what's behind there, you know, the building engine stuff. And they just go, wow, if these guys stepped in, everybody's in trouble, you know, like it is that. Yeah, it's yep. like you would expect from NASA. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, so, it, I mean, I've got to look at and remind everyone how powerful Honda is, you know. And so, so I would like to believe that they can do it, you know. And I want Mark it to be fair that he doesn't have to battle for further back than he deserves, you know. He deserves to be at the front. But uh, the worrying thing is... Um, at the test, and I really respect him for coming and telling us the truth. I did not take it as Honda. Mark was bagging Honda. I think Mark was telling the truth, which is since he's come back, I've mentioned this to you before, Boris. Mm. Um, I really appreciate Mark's honesty with us for the press. Yeah, you, you did, you did, yeah. You, you did say that, that. Very he, much changed. Yeah, yeah he's, he has and, changed. And he's worried, you know, because uh, they should be worried because – um, you know, for a long time, I've been really curious. Uh, I think it was about Le Mans time. Um, we were at Le Mans, so that must have been last year even. Uh, no, no, this year at Le Mans. I was going, who is going to come out of this hole first, KTM and Honda? And there's a big rivalry between those two. Yes. And and they're both um, motorsport giants, you know, and I was like, really curious to see. And to me, it's clearly KTM pulling out of that hole, uh, figuring out some stuff, uh, making steps forward. And Honda seemed to be going around around circles. You know, the last test of Valencia, it was pretty clear that they had not made a step forward, you know. And that is scary shit because the next step, the next stage is um, at, at Malaysia, which like you guys, I'm super curious to see what they turn up with because at Malaysia, between Malaysia and the first race is so close that there's very little time to to do anything. So if they don't turn up in Malaysia with something, Mark's in trouble, big style. So is Juan, poor old Juan Mir, uh, Alex Rins. Yeah, there's and, like uh, six weeks, six weeks before the after the test to the the first race. Six weeks, you can't you can't rebuild a bike in six weeks. Exactly, and it, it really also means scary. they've got to they've got to homologate that engine, don't they? You know, and uh, you can't build something new. Um, so they've got to turn up with a, I would imagine a few uh, options and then choose something for uh, to to homologate. It, it is looking really. Worrying for Honda, you know. Um, I've got to throw something else out yeah. there that I believe is they have the the strongest lineup of riders um, for sure in MotoGP. You know, if you look at Juan Mir, Alex Rins, Mark Marquez, they are the the strong. The, that'd be my pick of rider lineup if you had to choose any manufacturers. Rider lineup, you know, uh, yeah, it's, all it's very impressive. Yeah, just before you, we, so we it's move down to Honda. Before we move on from from <laughs> this one. I have noticed Mark's, you know, Mark's attitude change. Before the test, I saw him change and his brother change. I put it down to uh, change management when they got rid of Azamora. That's what I think. It's I think a, Azamora was a good controlling them a lot. What do you think? Um, you know, all I see is um, although I like and respect both Azamora uh, their old manager and and um, Alberto Push, they are two of the least kind of 
positive, friendly uh, people to press. No. That has to rub off on your writer, right? Sure. So, yeah. And so that I think it's a good guess, Fredo. That's a good guess. I don't know if it's the answer, but it's a good guess. I mean, the two things are what Mark's been through, you know, um, shit times teach you more than the good times do. And uh, so maybe he's learned something from the, the shit times. Yeah, it's slap, at it back, the, better, the shit time, better human like all shit of Shit time slaps some humility into you real smart, real quick. Well, mm. you- uh, what, what I'd like to finish on the Mark thing saying yeah, yeah. that I love what I'm seeing. I've gone from uh, not being a Mark fan off the bike, always been a Mark fan with him on the bike. Absolutely. But I've gone from not being a Mark fan of his off the bike, just how he treats me, uh, my work colleagues, uh, uh, how honest he is with, the, you know, his interviews in general. To Philip Island, he completely won me over. I was like, oh, I love Mark. This is his honesty, brutal honesty, and um, also his racecraft, uh, everything. I-, I love the Mark that I'm seeing now, you know, since he's come back. Fantastic. Listen, I, I've I've been told by some spies that used to work for Suzuki and now work for Aprilia that they're stunned that that bike didn't win a world championship this year. What what's your what's your feelings on Aprilia? And and I'd, I've I've been telling people to have a little punt on Miguel Oliveira if you want a roughie to win the world championship in 2023. I reckon Miguel and that Aprilia are going to bond really nicely after a tough year or two on the KDM. I think he's going to love it. Yeah, and well, Miguel has gone there, uh, I mean, you can tell, for results, you know, because if he wanted to take the money, I'm sure the KTM option would have been better. You know, they wanted to keep him, and they were offering him three years, and when they say three years, it's so they can put a figure, you know, that is that looks amazing, you know, yeah, yeah. to get you. Yeah. And so that's my guess, my take on it. And Miguel is going... I'm tired of this. I want the results, you know. Um, maybe he's timed it wrong because I think KTM are on the on the rise. Yeah. But my thoughts are, are like yours, that that um, there is a – put it this way, I would not be surprised if Miguel Oliveira is in the top three in the championship at the early stages of this championship and we all – and lots of people go – Holy shit, because he's got that ability, you know, he's a fantastic rider and the bike is good. And Aprilia, we're in on the decision of getting him. It wasn't just Ruslan, it was a brilliant mm. decision, uh, probably also paying. Um, and they, meaning they want to support him because they know what he can do. So, yeah, I, I'm a bit excited about Miguel as well. Well, I'm, I'm a Fabio fan. I, I have been a Fabio fan forever. I feel very, very concerned that Fabio, that there's not four Yamahas out there next year, there's only two, and and they seem to have found something in the last test and then lost it again the test after that. What's going on? Does Fabio stand a chance at, at, at having a crack at this? What's going on? And the, the big question is what, what happened to the engine? The engine that they tested mid-year that had more speed, where was that engine at the at the post season test did we, did we have we got to the bottom of that um i'm a fabio fan as well i've got to say mm. just because how he, i've mentioned earlier yeah, how he's he butte he's um, just butte <laughs> uh, he's he, blonde and hairless uh he treats everybody 
um, with respect, whether it's on camera or off, or yeah. you know what I'm saying, bump yes, into him in the airport. He's a, he's a good, just a good lad. I, I genuinely like him. Um, like Pecco, you know that. Um, so he's when you say about four bikes, um, he did get asked that, and I've got to agree with his answer. He's, uh, you know. He didn't say it as blunt as this, but basically he's been doing it on his own anyway, hasn't that's he? Right. Hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. The last years, that's yeah. Right. You know, so having three slower riders doesn't difference. help. Um, look, the thing is, you know, to be fair to the other riders, my take on the Yamaha thing is, um, I've put it out there at the end of the season a few times, is that I think Yamaha is no longer the 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 beautiful bike. For that that was 2016 to 19 that everybody could ride because um, we saw that at 2020 um, how Fabio struggled, everybody struggled to go fast on it, to get it to turn, uh, to have that front feel. And remember Fabio throwing the toys out of his pram? I remember clearly in Mizano he was like, yeah, I can't get this thing to work. Then he figured out, I think he changed himself, how he figured out how to ride that bike fast. And the kid is brilliant, and um, that's what you do. If, it's what you want if you're a team manager or a manufacturer is hire someone to make your bike look good, you know, and that's why mm. um, what Honda and Yamaha are doing, paying the biggest money to hire the boys that can make their machine look good, you know. And so um, Fabio did that, and to be fair to, fair to all the others, I don't think the others could adapt like that and change the way they ride it, and it's not – all their fault. You see what I mean? I think that Yamaha have lost their way a bit. Um, that's only my gut feeling on that front, sweet front field turning that that bike used to have, you know, the advantage it used to have. Um, the the big question, I agree, is what the fuck happened between um, Mizano, sorry, no, not Mizano, um, first of all was Catalonia Test. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, hey, this thing's better. Yeah, he loved um, it. He test. loved it, yeah. yeah. Mizano test, the boys were absolutely wrapped. I spoke to um, to to Mayo Mirigali, and he said they'd been testing in Japan, the bike. This is Carl, probably a test rider as well. Uh, Motegi, new engine's really good. Yeah, said it was Four a rocket ship, yep. The rocket shit comment came, yeah, Carl said from Hareth test, which was, what, a week or so before um, Valencia test. And then we get there, and the bike was exactly the same. They couldn't tell the difference. Um, and I stood, said this on our MotoGP podcast, that to me there was something that I thought we would find out by now. I thought Yamaha would come out and tell everyone, on, uh, hopefully they've told Fabio, you know, to put his mind at ease. But I just thought they'd come out and go, we found what it was, it was some software or some, or the, I put it out there, that that the labelling on the engines had sent the wrong engine, you know, it was <laughs> one of the old ones. You're like, guys, it was like that. The bike was the same. And it can't be. You can't do four tests going, yeah, and then turn up to the last one and both riders go, ah, it's no different. <laughs> there was some glitch. What's there had to going be, on? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, I haven't got a better answer. I really thought the truth would come out by now and we'd be getting told it, you know, but it looks like it hasn't. Um, I've even tried to find out from staff and that, and they're going, oh, we know as much as you, mate. Like, I don't know. So hopefully Yamaha have told Fabio, put his mind at ease. But I, I believe... Yamaha have found something. 
I just hope that they can also sort that front end feel, uh, not just engine, but front end feel to make the, the old sweet bike come back. Just to let you know what it was, um, 2020, they made the air intake go through the steering head. Um, so the whole chassis changed to get that, even though it was the same geometry or whatever, they're based on the same bike. They tried to get more power by, I saw the steering head all changed and this big air intake because you need more air, you know, to make more power. And so they got more power out of it, but the feel of that chassis changed. And I think they've been trying to find that feel ever since, but haven't quite got there. Wow. And 2020 was a good year for Frankie. He was still on the 2019 bike, 2020 wasn't he? 2020 was great for yeah. Frankie. It was the last great year. So maybe that's maybe that's the reason Frankie had that good year. He still had the old bike that didn't have the issues that Fabio had on the new one. Completely agree. I think Frankie liked the feel of the old bike. He did really well in 2019. But to be fair, everything else has moved on as well. So you couldn't yeah. just pull that 2019 bike out yep. and expect yeah. to be competitive. So, well, yeah. speaking of moving on, the biggest move I think this year for uh, for MotoGP is Jack Miller from uh, Ducati to KTM. What do we think, Simon? What do we think? I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Well. Uh, I'll be honest, I think it's sad to see um, Jack move away from arguably the best job in the paddock, you know, machinery-wise, if you're a rider, that the cream job at the moment, you know. Um, before we saw him, um, what is it, uh, realise his potential, yes. that's the word, you know, like he did in Japan, you know, yeah. and for whatever reason, it looked like it wasn't working for him to realise his potential, whether it was um, what's, what goes on in the team. You see it a lot in Ducati Factory, don't you? You know, yeah. It's why I wonder um, if the better job for the young rider was the Pramac job or the, the factory job, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah that's a fair call. For example, but, yeah. you know, so, but, okay, moving on, you know, I'm wondering about Jorge Martin. And Anaya Bastianini, you know, because they get the same machinery. Um, yes, there's more support behind the factory wall, but I think there's also a lot more pressure, you know. And On the beast, yes. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with the beast and um, Jorge Martin, yeah. who are two magic young riders. So about Jack, um, when I first heard Jack was going there, this is the, the KTM still hadn't made any progress. And I was like, oh, this is a bit of a. Uh, a death sentence, you know, for a career, yes, isn't yes, it? You know, yes. uh, to go from arguably the best bike, well, it is the best bike on the grid, to something that is kind of mid-pack, you know, uh, competition-wise. Although I've always felt KTM are close because the sport's so competitive. It's only, it's it's only going to take a couple of little um, steps forward to get the KTM there, and they are bloody determined, you know, like I was saying before, like Honda. Um but now that I, what I saw at the last race and the test, Jack might have timed it right, you know. That's right. That's why I'm saying, yes. Yeah, because KTM really are making some progress, you know, and they're so determined, you know, that I know they had different engines at the last test um, because, sorry, at Mizano and at the last test because I was watching the debrief between uh, Binder, who was probably the only guy getting them because uh, Oliveira was moving on, and he was talking about, uh, response of the engine and stuff like this, you know. Then what Binder did in the last race, he's been saying for a while, give me something, guys, give me something, you know, because he's been wringing the neck of what he's got. Yeah. They gave him something and he put it to good use, some 
good rear grip. Then they had another chassis um, at the test, and I've never heard him praise the entry like it. It's like it's fixed, but we lost the rear grip. But what I'm saying is KTM are finding the way. They're moving you know? forward. Yeah. You can guarantee yeah. they're going to turn yeah. up yeah. with a combination of those two things, with the rear grip on one chassis and the front end like Brad's never felt on the other. There'll be a bunch of different options at um, – at uh, what do you call it, a uh, Sepang, and I really feel like KTM on the edge of a breakthrough, uh, being competitive. So that means Jack will be, you know, because we know Jack's fast. He like whether you're going to see him fight for the championship. Sorry, Jack, I still doubt it because he didn't manage to fight for the championship on the Duke. So I just, I mean, the only thing that I can see is. Maybe the people around him get more out of Jack because we all know Jack's a lovely bloke. I think he's sensitive. He's, um, you know, he comes across like the Joker, and the I think he's a sensitive soul. He is you know, very much really. So. That's very yeah, really nice. Very true. Really very good nice call. guy. Very good call. Really good guy. So I think it's going to make a difference to him if the people around him believe in him and have got his back. You know, I seriously. Uh, something I learned from my career is you need your crew to be a hundred percent behind you. Even if it was your fault, don't say it's your fault. It's don't worry, mate. We're we're out in the next one. We know you can do it. And if Jack has that crew behind him like that, and the bike step up, let's hope. Very good point. Well, yeah. Look, I I think everyone underestimates KTM at their peril. KTM has come to dominate. Every single motorsport that it's decided that they've, it's had, a got, that they've yeah. had a crack at, it's taken yeah. them. It's like they have like a five year plan, like Mountie Tung. Well, and <laughs> in five years, right, we're go, we're going to win this, and they've done it. They 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 you know Paris Dakar, the the uh, the. the Everywhere they're everywhere except MotoGP, and they're here now. Well, and look what they've done with that frame. So they're still running a tubular steel frame. Yep. Right? And when they, they never first turned gave up, up on the tip, they never gave up. And and everybody said they're wasting their time. They need to go to Alloy. They need to go to Twin Spa. They need to do this. They need to do that. And they said, no, fuck yeah, we're just going to keep doing our thing because we know how to build them. Yep. We know how and to do, do this, and they do, and they they're getting there. So, whereas you look at Ducati, they've had three or four different iterations of trying to build a. Yeah, we had freaking twin carbon ends bolted to an engine. Yeah. We had they started with a steel trellis, and they did that, and then George they had, alloy had nine, and George had nineteen seats, <laughs> <laughs> twelve different tanks with wings on them. <laughs> <laughs> But the Ducati will be interesting this year. I mean, be, I mean, the, the, the you know the people are saying, oh, there's going to be rivalry between the two. Absolutely, they two may, Italians in the same team, fantastic. They, yeah. they may cost themselves a championship by they, just kill, killing each true. other. What are, what are your thoughts on those two? They 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 clearly both want to be the champion. They clearly both want to Peco you know the beast. Peco in the beast. It's like a love story. It's like a cartoon. Excuse me. Um, the, I mean, it's exciting for our sport. Um, those two guys, um, you know, they're uh, Jorge. I've always thought he's phenomenal, fast. You know, Martin. Yeah. And, yes. Um, he got he got a bit off track uh, this year. Got a bit lost. I think part of it was due to machine, um, like Peko was suffering. They their new bits, you know, the and also the the front right height device. Yes. Um, Jorge, from what I know of him, he's not a um, a setup guy. He doesn't understand what 
to do setup wise. He completely relies on his team. Um, I mean, to give you an idea, I turned up at a track day and rode with Jorge. This is back. He was tearing around on an R6 and I was riding around on his El Maria. I was riding around on a GSX-R1000. And I've always liked Jorge just because he's bouncy, a happy personality, you know, and super friendly. And um, I rode on track with him. I had a thousand, so I could just on the straight. And then the little bugger on an R6 would start pulling away in the turns, and but I could see what he was doing and then pass on the straight again. And, and I, I said to him, um, Jorge, you know, as he got further ahead, I kind of came up behind him. So I was right on, right on his ass at the end of the back straight, but not go past. And I could outbreak him on a thousand. And I, I said to him after, Hoy, I shouldn't be able to break, outbreak you, you know. What, how much preload you got on the front? Your back's off the ground. And he goes, I don't know. Do you want me to have a look? I said, Do you want me to have a look? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a look and he had no preload on the front. <laughs> And and I'm like, he goes, well, where should it be? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, Not there. Six <laughs> would be soft and uh, 12 would be hard, I would say. So let's go eight you know, and see what you think. Put eight on it. And he was off. He was like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so what I'm saying is what he relies, <laughs> for sure, he relies on his crew uh, setup-wise. Um, he's just an absolute natural, you know. Yeah. And um, – if they don't find the way for him, he we and I think that's what we saw a bit this year um, with the new kit, the new things happening. You know that different engine. If Jorge comes out at his best, um, which so doesn't get distracted by some beautiful influencer, you know, <laughs> and, and focuses on the what job, a nice, what I a nice think, problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think he's an absolute weapon. I mean, we've seen it a few times, and I think he can do it regularly if there's uh, a couple of things come together, the setup-wise and his mind fully on the job. Um, then then Bastianini, uh, I think there's a huge number of Bastianini fans um, because, in general, his mind's on the job. I think I've seen it everywhere. He There's some tracks he didn't know, got a bit lost. It's early days. Uh, now he's got his big chance. I, I'm bloody excited to see what yeah, he can do. Yeah, and he genuinely, he genuinely doesn't give a shit, does he? Well, you know, <laughs> no. No, he, he, him no. and his manager don't care. They they win. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> that's that's why we like. Him. Uh, that's why I love him. Carla, I love him. Yeah. Uh, Carlo, yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta love that boy. <laughs> <laughs> and his ability to go forward in a race is. I know. Stunning. Yeah, especially late. Nobody, nobody can match what he's done going forward in races. As, as I think he's the the cream of the crop. So, yeah, I, I I, personally, I'm hoping that that Rins. Oh, I love Rins. He's he's did some spectacular stuff. I mean, what he did at Phillip Island just took my breath away. You know, Alex Rins. It's consistency though for Alex. Yeah, I know. But if he's on this Honda and if he gets his head around that Honda. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. going to be an absolute weapon. I said that about Paul on the Honda too, and look what happened there. <laughs> hey, I, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that I Honda really was going to. Yeah, I thought the Honda was going to suit him, but uh, no. Anyway, yeah, well, who knows? It didn't suit anybody. But no. who, who knew that was coming? Hey, Simon, I had uh, someone spoke to me over the, the Christmas break and said, "Oh, I want to, I want to find a, a race to watch uh, during the holidays." 
And I, I'm one of those people that I, I love a good dog fight, but I'm also someone who can sit on a pit wall and watch someone really good practice. I just I, sometimes I'll, there's people that I can just sit and watch them cut. Casey Stoner was one. I mm. could sit and watch Casey Stoner cut laps yeah, yeah. by himself. You know, just that oh, yeah. that magical to watch. So uh, sometimes I love watching a race where somebody is just so good and and wins by, you know, let's say twelve seconds, Simon. You know where I'm going? I said to this guy, you need to watch Simon Crayfars win at Donington <laughs> because that year Mick Doohan won 374 races. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Doohan was unstoppable that year, but you handed him his ass in that race and it was one of the best performances I've, I saw that year. It was phenomenal because Mick was that was, he was at the height of his powers at that point and that was just that was a brilliant win. What because you were good mates with Mick too. What was it like to to win that race because you were you sitting there thinking the whole time he's going to come and get me he's going to come and get me because Mick was like oh, that, that that year yeah that's exactly what I was thinking um, <laughs> <clears throat> because he always did didn't he you know yeah so I, I thought he was um I think a bit of it came down to um Harama I realized I'd figured out how to ride the bike um uh, when we Mick and I came together and I went off track yeah uh, he broke his handlebar I um I came back on after the pace car. When I got into the rhythm, um, my wife pointed out, and when I came back in, the team were really happy because I matched the leader, the winners' times from back on track to the end of the race. And so I thought, hey, I've, I've figured this 500 out. Uh, that was, you know, the click. And then Assen, um, the good qualifying, then um, – then in the race, managing to lead at halfway point, about 10 laps in, something like that. Uh, and then right at the end, I decided I'm not going to fight for this. When Max, I saw Max and Mick doing, Max Biagi Mick doing, go for it. Ha- hammer and tong. They'd, they'd done their best with their tyres till then. They were going to, you know, have the proper battle. I realised that if I risk it and I fall off, that um, this is honest. I realised that the whole paddock is um, going to call me. I can't. Should I say the word? You know, basically the whole paddock's going to call me a wanker. You know, and <laughs> and because I know how the paddock is, that's yeah. what they're going to do. They're going to go. Oh, he could have got a podium there, and he threw it away. What a you know. And I didn't want to risk that. I just went. Ah, I'm going to stay on the bike. I looked behind Barros. I think was fair way back. I'm just going to let them go to it. And um, last two laps, I'm just going to stay on. And um, then when it came to Donington, that's when I thought, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm going to risk everything, every session. Uh, I know the track well because I rode British Championship um, 92. And uh, that was the other thing coming into it, a few new tracks, you know. So I just went for it. And like you said, I ran. I ran thinking (laughs) if I can try and get a gap on Mick, so that it's hard for him to come back. Um, I'm just going to make it as hard as possible. And that's what I've got to do. And so it, I ran for it, ran, 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 ran. And it wasn't until, like you said, I saw 12 seconds with not that single figures laps to go. <laughs> I realized he's not coming back from that. And then you start hearing engine noises, you know, and, <laughs> and, and honestly, I remember going, let's roll off a little bit uh, to make sure I don't fire it down the road. And then you start making mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I went, 
after those two things, you know, worrying about engine noises, hearing a crank or something, you know, <laughs> which I was just imagining, and um, and then making mistakes because I, I just went bugger it, um, hammered down again. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, what you can imagine. It was a proper dream come true um, because I got to stand on the podium with my <coughs> training partner, um, Mick, friend, but more importantly – uh my hero you know because mick was you know he he really was my hero you know he's a when i was in stuck in new zealand trying to get out he smashed everybody at world superbikes at Oran park and then got offered the 500 and i'm like here's a guy from down under doing exactly what i want to do and proving that it's possible you know so mick really was a hero i love it when racers go you can imagine no, 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 we we can't. I, I can't imagine at all what it's like for you guys. I mean, I, I mean, I keep saying this to people. You know, we we all ride motorcycles, yep. but what they do—that's something that I cannot capable. compute. No, yes, it, it's not motorcycle riding as I understand it to be. No, you know. no, it's another level. It's another level. It's several levels. But Simon, well, I can't, I can't do it anymore. But it's why I <laughs> respect. Yeah. It's why I respect these boys so much. What yeah. they do, it's, and I can tell you guys really do respect and understand what they are doing. They're they're phenomenal. You, you don't get the idea from TV, do you? You don't. No, no. You got to. They are. Yeah, you need to go and stay. I mean, when I was at Phillip Island, and, and thank you so much for for for. for allotting me some time for the bottle time in my life. I fanboyed like a bitch. <laughs> I was having the greatest time of my life just basking in that in that that energy that 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 it is. It, it it's just something else. If you can get anywhere near that, do it. It's just worth doing. And Simon, while I have you here, and I'm, we're probably gonna wrap up very shortly because we've had you for an hour and a half. I, I wrote you a poem. What? Oh no. <laughs> Oh, son. Oh. I'd run away now. <laughs> well, it had to happen. <laughs> I wrote oh, your poem. Hey, you inspired Boris, me. I've got to say, you've given your poems in the past have had me crying, <laughs> crying. I remember being at Japan and and uh, and listening to one. Um, it was on a Wednesday morning or something when we first got to Japan. I was tears rolling down my face. <laughs> Pissing myself, laughing. So well, I'm half you. dreading, half looking forward I'm, to it. I'm flattered. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to a female friend of mine the other day who considers herself a very strong feminist. Yep. And she, she listens to the show occasionally. And I said, oh, you've been listening. She's gone, yeah. I said, what do you think of Boris's poems? And she said, they make me hate myself. <laughs> she said, because I love them. I, I love them and I should hate them. And I don't know what to think about it anymore. <laughs> All right. All, All right, right, here we go. Are you ready? Yes. All right, it's called the An Ode to Simon, right. not Patterson. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dorna, for the Simon. His voice is soothing like a hymen. <laughs> His dulcet tones and knowledge vast ensure our racing stiffies last. He doesn't look impressed so far. He adds so much to every race. He sticks a mic in every face. He asks the questions we want asked. He doesn't care if he gets glassed. He's brave, the anger of the pooge, but Simon is nobody's stooge. He's so polite and nice and calm, no one can think he means them harm. But there were doubts when he debuted, and people thought, how stones this dude? <laughs> he really sounded far too placid. How could he be so bloody flaccid? 
but we were wrong. And for too long, our Simon started getting strong. His tone was gentle, his manners fine, his knowledge of the sport divine. He soon became the sport's highlight. No one possessed his great insight. The ones who came before were lame and they got sacked and left in shame. <laughs> then daughter brought us this butte bloke and round the paddock he did poke. He knows them all and they know him. He's questioned Zarko in his bin. <laughs> He asks them all, the great, the small, he lines them up against the wall and shoots them full of questions good, and then we know just what we should. So thank you, Dorna, you done good. You gave us Simon, we got wood. <laughs> we now stay hard from flag to flag. We look like mighty rutting stags. Bori. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. Oh, for, man, thank uh, you. No, thank you. Anna, no, but I was going to say for not um, <laughs> making it as rude as the Aragon <laughs> one. I was, I was cringing. No, when no, 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 oh, no, no. Oh, uh, no. Hey, but yeah, yeah. Thanks for exaggerating again. Bloody brilliant. Well, brilliant. I don't know, man. Listen, thank hey, you. you mentioned Pooch there. Yes. yes. I should throw in there because lots of people, and you, you just brought them up then. Um, uh, I... I, you know what, you know, because lots of people go, the guy's a nightmare. He <laughs> made my job difficult in the beginning. Um, but you know what? I can't help but like him. I can't help but like him because, like me, he's all about the rider, you know. He's so loyal and so – I watch him on Pitwall – and it's like watching a father watch his sons out there, you know, and it's why he refuses to talk to me when the, boy, the boys are on track, you know, because I've if you said a few times, well, what about as soon as they go out with, he goes, if I was out there riding and my manager was talking to instead of watching what's good, exactly what I wouldn't be impressed at all, you know, and because of this loyalty to his uh, complete like devotion to his, uh, his riders, I can't help but like him, you know. I, look, I get that. As and, much and the sport as is much shit as he gives me. Look, the, the, <laughs> the sport the sport is full of fanatics. Yes, the, the sport is driven by psychopaths and fanatics. Yes, who love this beyond all reason, we, beyond all measure. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. You know, we're, we're four grown ass men, and we've been wanking ourselves. <laughs> Stupid! I have a motorcycle race. My yeah, my wife kind of gets it because she's been like your wife. She's put up with me. She's sick of the wanking though. She, no, she's not. <laughs> oh my god, you're doing it again. Yes, I am. Shut up, right? But but we 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 are honestly privileged to watch this yes. and, and and be part of it. Yeah. You know, in or some small part. But you know, it all comes down to you know people like yourself, Simon, and and, and as you say, Pooj is a fanatic. There's no there's no question. My Alzamore is a fanatic. They're all crazy about this shit. And I can't blame them. Yeah. I can't blame them. We can't Good wait. Point. We can't wait to 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 keep looking at them and and keep enjoying them all next year. And we're going to enjoy all you next year. Are you going to the test in Malaysia, Simon? Yes. Yeah. Ah. Um. So traditionally, they send me to the official test, which is straight after the shakedown. You know, where yeah. the shakedown is test riders and rookies. Yeah, don't get um, that one. Normally three days. Yeah. I um, don't. They don't normally send me to that, but they straight after. Yeah, official test. Apparently, flights booked. Okay, so I'm, yeah. I'm excited about that. You and me catch up for a beer at the Summer Summer Hotel. We, uh, we do. Jesus, if I can get there, I so want to be I'm there. I'm going. Father has to go. I so want to be there. 
See who we go. See how we go. Thank you so much for coming on, Simon. It's uh, it's a thrill to have you, and um, you, you give us a credibility that we could never hope to. <laughs> hey, boys, um, don't talk yourselves down. Uh, I wanted um, to say yes because um, you guys are. I respect what you do. I respect your uh, passion one. for the sport, and you know what? You're fast becoming legends in the paddock. There's a lot of a lot of people love listening to you, including me. So, um, yeah, keep up the good work. Uh, well, that's the, with that, the, that, thank you that's, so that's, much. That's, that's nice to hear, but thank you so much. And you, you guys do it all. We just watch and yell, basically, on the <laughs> sidelines, you know. <laughs> thank you, Simon. We'll thank talk you to you so through much. the year. See you, boys. I look hey, forward mate. to Cheers, uh, mate. All the best. you during the year, listening during the year. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.